Hey guys, it's Fletch from All Things Overlanding, and today I've got Scott from Adventure Further Off-Road with me. Welcome, Scott. Hey guys. And today we're going to be talking about some trips that we've been on. Scott has been on some amazing trips, so I can't wait to hear from him on all the things that he's done. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some of my favorite trips and then an upcoming trip that I've got coming up. So if you want to hear more about some amazing overlanding destinations, stay tuned. All right, guys, as I mentioned in the intro today, I've got Scott from Adventure Further with me. We are going to be talking about the most epic trips that we've been on and some that we've even got planned coming up here. Scott's got an epic one planned coming up. I've got one in a couple of weeks coming up. So we're just going to talk about destinations and some of our favorite spots. So especially if you're newer to overlanding or even if you're not and you're just looking for ideas or, you know, where can I go? What should I be looking for? We're going to give you some of our tips for the places that we've been on this episode. So Scott, you know, you're the guest here, so I'm going to let you kind of go first, but I know you've been to some crazy places because you and I have talked about it. And Wisconsin, I'm afraid to say, doesn't count. It's really cool. And I loved hanging out with you up there. It doesn't have its pros and cons, right? But I don't know if we can call it epic. What do you think? Yeah, Wisconsin definitely, in my eyes, is not the most epic destination for overlanding, I would have to say. It's fun uh, in the winter, I, though. Yes. In the winter, there's plenty of fun to be had. The bugs are gone, which is huge yeah. by us. So summertime, we don't do a whole lot. It's definitely hot, muggy, and buggy. Yeah, the minute, the minute you go to the Northwoods, you pretty much want to leave the Northwoods because yeah. you get swarmed by them. And uh, le leading to that, which that being us from Wisconsin is kind of prepping us for our next trip, which our next yeah. trip is actually going to be Alaska. So when it comes to when it comes to epic trips, I think this one's going to top the cake for us. Um, yeah. Last year, last year we were in uh, Oregon, Washington, California, Northern California. Up to that date, this date, that was actually one of the coolest places we've been um, overlanding and, and stuff like that. Because we actually took uh, the Highway One all the way up from uh, Central Oregon all the way to the coast, and then went all the way to the North uh, Olympia National Park. Well, and along the way, stopped and got to drive on the beach out there. And, you know, in, the kids were swimming and on the West Coast in the northern part of the country. It's definitely cold. So, yeah. We, didn't, we, yeah, we didn't go swimming, but the kids loved it. And we got to spend time on the beach with them and stuff. And as we made our journey more north towards Olympia, you know, I guess people don't really know it, but there's really a, a rainforest in the national park. Yeah. So you get all the drooping vines and stuff like that, and, and oh, wow. it's, it's really cool, which when we, we had it kind of planned out to go there and plan, and see it, but it was even unexpected for us. I'm like, a rainforest in yeah. Washington? <laughs> I'm like, That's crazy. Isn't I mean, that the I get, but... <laughs> yeah, it, it was nuts. And so, I mean, that trip was really, really cool, and we did that with uh, some friends of ours that we've been traveling with pretty steadily, and we got them into overlanding and they, they love it with us. So it's really That's cool. Yeah, yeah. How'd your big, huge Jeeps do on those? Are they tighter trails out there? Or what are the trails like? So the trails, a lot of the trails in the Northern part of Oregon and stuff like that, they're pretty actually open. I would be actually huh. open. I would say as my Jeeps being built the way they are, I would say it's in, wasn't as necessary as you would 
I, at least even I would have thought. Yeah. Uh, truly, it, it was, I guess, the best word, overbuilt. <laughs> most people, most people with a standard. Your Jeep overbuilt? Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to admit that because I built it for the sole purpose of making sure I can go wherever I want, which yeah. it does take care. So, but um, most people with a standard four-wheel drive, high clearance, you know, can get to the trails that we went out there. And we did map out the whole entire trip. So at some point, if you guys ever get out that way, we give you some epic camp spots. Nice. And we're actually in the process of releasing that video coming up here shortly because one of the one of the coolest spots to date, and this is to date, and I'll have to get you some video and some pictures of it so you can show it. The, we rolled up to this camp. It was right at sunset, and believe it or not, it was on iOverlander. I don't know if you use that okay. very often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I happened to find this spot on there, and we were trying to figure out where to go. We, we get up to this one spot, and as we're getting up to it, I'm like, man, this is like right on the top of the mountain and the view was to die for. And wow. I was like, all right, this is a good spot. And we had five rigs with <laughs> us at that, at that time. We had five people with us and we set up camp. And then after we set up camp for about an hour, we all of a sudden seen the clouds start rolling in and they're rolling in over the top of the, the mountains. So like we were a little bit taller than the rest of them which crazy what we were. But as we were, as we were sitting there, just enjoying the nightfall, the clouds start rolling in and you can see them going over the top of the mountains. The clouds are rolling over the top. And before you know it, we're like, I wonder if we're going to be stuck in the clouds. Like we're going to not do anything because it's like right at that height where we weren't sure if, if we were going to be above it. And the coolest thing was, is believe it or not, we were like 200 feet above those other ridges. And we actually were camping on top of the clouds. That's cool. <laughs> it was. It was. You the video of that? Yes, I. We have video of it, okay. and, and it's going to be in our upcoming video that Ashley's going to see that. And so, yeah, I'll get you a couple pictures of it at least where you can see it now, um, sure. and show them on here. But it was so cool. That was probably one of my coolest campsites because you all you could see is clouds for fifty miles, and we're yeah. on top of all the clouds. And underneath, like when we were coming up there that day, it was cloudy as we were traveling to this destination. And so we were kind of worried, you know, on what it was going to be when we get there. But it was epic because the sunset was above the clouds. And as it was going down through the clouds, you could just see the clouds changing color. It was just cool. So, yeah, that was probably definitely one of the best camp spots. Yeah. I feel like that's like part of the reason we do this, right? Like that's. I mean, especially for me being Midwestern and you too being Midwestern, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that's why I'm I'm willing to drive for two days to get out west just to see some of this. It feels like you're in a different like planet or something. Like it's, it blows it, my mind. Compared to here, you know, you just don't get that. And being yeah. in the Midwest, you know, we we do love being here, but sure. you just like in Wisconsin, we're so far away from any sort of mountain ranges where you can see something like that. When you're out there it's not quite a dime a dozen, but you know, the opportunity to get those kind of views is a lot greater. And yeah. so, you know, even going down to Kentucky and doing the Red River Gorge and stuff like that is more satisfying is probably the best word than, you know, camping in the woods in the middle of nowhere here. <laughs> yeah. I so, feel that. But, um, you know, the trip that we got coming up, we actually leave very soon in less than a week here. We're leaving for Alaska 
And that trip, we're doing about 3,000 miles, road miles. Uh, I mean, road miles and off-road, you know, gravel road. But as far as the whole trip, we got planned out to do about 3,000 miles. And with, um, I got two other people, or my wife and I, we taking our two Jeeps and our off-road trailer. And then we have friends that are meeting us up there as well. And so we're going to have four rigs traveling all across Alaska for six weeks. So very fun. so long. Like what all are you going to hit over the course of that? Oh, yeah. And I forgot to mention there's also six kids coming. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be fun though. That's like I wish like I never did. I'm 42 and I've never done that. <laughs> well, and that's why our our kids, I don't even think realize it yet because they're so young. Um, you know, ours are eight, nine, soon to be nine and ten. But you know, they don't even understand, you know, the opportunity that they're getting. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to do it. We're both self-employed and built our businesses up for 16 years now. And I finally can do something like this. So this is the longest trip I've ever taken. Yeah. But uh, to go on what you're asking. So we're actually starting in Anchorage. That's where it's going to be home base. And uh, from Anchorage, we're actually going to be traveling not too far right away. We're going to be going to the Connect Glacier, which is, I think, like only like 30, 40 miles from actual Anchorage. And that's actually one of the most exciting places I can't wait to see because (laughs) that being next to a glacier, we get to camp like in front of the glacier. So that's cool. I'm I'm really going to be speechless. And, (laughs) you know, I don't even know what to expect, but I think it's going to be just overwhelming. You're just going to pull up and you're like, wow. Um, So that's one of the first places we're heading. And then we're going to start heading north towards Denali National Park. Once we go to Denali National Park, we're going to keep heading north. The ultimate goal which we're going to do the whole northern half of Alaska in about two and a half to three weeks. And we're going to make it all the way to Puerto Bay. So Puerto Bay and swimming in the Arctic Ocean is definitely on the bucket list. So we're going to be doing that and then come back. And there's a bunch of mines along the way. And we're going to, so we're going to see a bunch of abandoned mines and um, we're going to do an airplane tour somewhere by Denali they got some really good tours there. Like I think it's out of Fairbanks, I think is where you actually fly out of, but they'll fly over to Denali. So you get to see the national park, the parts that nobody can really see. So it's going to be like me. And then just head south for three weeks. So (laughs) it's a triple life. I just thought that. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. I don't want to talk about my trip now. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's still great stuff. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I wish I had six weeks. I would totally take six weeks, but I do have two weeks, which two that'll weeks, be the longest right. that I've ever been consecutively, literally living. I mean, the, the thing is, to your point, right, there are a lot of highway miles too, right? Like that's just people kind of give, I think, overlanders a hard time. They're like, well, you just drove on the road the whole way there. I mean, that's not the goal, right? But there is some driving to get from Indiana to Wyoming, which is where I'm going, like, or to Alaska <laughs> from Wisconsin, right? But yeah. so we are going to do some power days, I think, driving out there, maybe like a 10 or 11 hour day, the second day that we're driving, and then a couple of six hour days in, around the, the long day. Um, but then for, you know, about nine, 10, 11 days of the trip, we'll be, you know, super remote, driving through Wyoming, maybe dipping down into Colorado a little bit. So super excited about that. I mean, it's, again, like you said, there's just like, there's so many different things out West or in Atlanta, I mean, just all over the place than what we have in the Midwest. So 
excited to see some new things and experience some new wildlife. So, well, and there's so many cool things. Once you get out west and get close to the, even close to the Rockies, there's just so much to see out there. Cause I mean, we just to see out there. Cause I mean, we just in the last few years, we've Denver, Loveland, you know, Loveland pass up in that where Glenwood Springs. And then Mm -hmm. we've gone to, you know, Moab, of course, Salt Lake city, you know, we've done all that area and there's just, I can go back to each, each one again. Like we didn't even touch, we didn't even touch on all the cool spots yet. So to your point where across the country, there's so much cool stuff to see. We usually power through too. I mean, I'll drive, we drive, we're kind of on the crazier side, I guess is what people tell us, but we'll drive anywhere from 15 to 19 hours a day um, with Ashley and I switch driving, of course. And, getting that little bit of a break so that's the fortunate part for us is that we travel together and so she switches off with me and then uh, yeah so that helps out a lot when you're trying to travel cross country and but the the area that you're going we did the cody wyoming area yellowstone and we only camped out for one night that's kind of when we went to that area that's when we just kind of started getting to the whole overlanding thing We were more the RV and off-road jeeping, rock crawling. Okay. Yep. So we didn't really do any remote camping in that area. But I'm actually jealous. I want to go back there. I want to see everywhere. I don't want to yeah. stop. So, right. <laughs> uh, so I can't wait to see your video and recording of it because then it just gives me, you know, the, the excitement to go out there yeah. either with you in the next time or with, you know, with our, ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So fun when you have a chauffeur. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need one of those for the for the yeah. road part at least. Yeah, right. So. But that's <laughs> the really cool part. Yeah, well, and like for video too, that would be nice. Do you guys split video duties when you're driving on trails and yeah. stuff? So videos, we actually have our rig set up now because when we started doing the off roading and um, well, camping. We actually didn't do any YouTubing whatsoever yeah. or yeah. Got, had no intentions of it, but because everybody kind of talked, you know, and said how great it is. And obviously meeting people like you, which is amazing. And we've had such a great time meeting everybody that <laughs> yeah, uh, now we, we have both rigs actually set up inside where they have cameras inside. And then we have, da- we have not only do we have a camera on us inside, we have dash cams and then we actually have our, standard cameras that we each have our own filming camera so when we get out of the yes. truck we don't have to go ask each other for a camera we did we did that for a while and that got to be old fast <laughs> like sweetie i need i need the camera i want to go film this and then i have to run back 100 yards because she's either in the back of the group or something and grab a camera oh so god for this trip now we're doing it but the the greatest part about the the combo with her and i is that we each have something different that we want to film yeah. So, you know, whether I'm in the back of the, the back of the group, she's in the front of the group, you know, we're filming the two different perspectives, which yeah. is something that we don't see a lot, you know, yeah. on YouTube. And right. even that with family stuff, we're trying to orient it a little bit more towards the family and, yeah. and that way. So, I mean, we're excited to keep de- developing our skills because yeah. I'm a total newbie. So you, you can start a YouTube for newbie channel. And that's going to be me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but, that's YouTube taught me everything I know, and I'm still consider myself very amateur. So you're doing uh, fine. Yeah. 
you're doing pretty good though. All I can say is your videos are definitely great. So uh, I like to watch them. So uh, I like to watch them. So, but I mean, so we're actually she just, she's doing all the the editing for it, and nice. now that uh, we have a full setup for each of us, we want the biggest thing is for Alaska this trip. I wanted to make sure that we didn't miss anything. Yeah, you know what I mean, because it's not like I'm just going to be like, all right, we'll go there next year. You know. To right. Reverend River Gorge or Wyoming, I'm be like, all right, you know, it's only 18 hours away. It's <laughs> 70 hours, 70 hour drive to get wow. from here to Anchorage, Alaska. So yeah, we want to make sure we had our bases covered. And this year, for this trip, we definitely do. And so I can't wait to see nice. how much better the rest of our trips are going to be because we have the gear to make it easier for her and I. So yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's one thing that I've kind of picked up on is. I want to, just like you, I want to go everywhere, right? But I was like, so I, I hit up my buddy Will at Venture to Rome uh, before when we, you know, figured out that this whole Canada trip wasn't going to work because wildfires Canada's closed down. And uh, and I was like, hey, buddy, like, would you mind sharing your Idaho BDR stuff? Because he did the Idaho BDR. And he's like, yeah, of course. And then I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the other guys that were going to go on the, you know, the Canada thing. And we're trying to pivot to this new thing. And someone had mentioned the Wyoming thing, which is what made us think about out West. And I was like, well, I could probably get us Idaho. And I mean, I just, I'm thinking they're right next to each other, right? Like it's, it can't be that far. No, it's another like 10, 11 hours just to get to, to Idaho each way. Right. So then you're basically yeah. adding two more days, two more 12 hour driving days to the trip just to get to Idaho. So then all of a sudden we're six days, five days, four days of driving. If we really do like 15 hour days, like you're talking about with energy drinks and you know, that's illegal drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Power through it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So no, it's close at like 21 hours. So. Yeah. yeah. And is that, are you guys starting in the Laramie area or something like that? Probably. Yeah. So, so we were going to run it from the bottom of the top and start in bags. And then I forget, I can't remember where it ends. So now we're going, we're the first night we're meeting in, in Iowa. And then we're doing about 12 hours over to where we're only about five or six hours out from the top of where whatever city the Wyoming BDR ends in normally. And we're going to start and run it from the top down. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. I don't even know what it's in my GPS, but I, I can't tell you off the top of my head. <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm not so, leading the thing. Don't worry. It's, it's is anybody, you know, this, so this is one thing that we came up with and I know some people might bash me for it or whatever, but um, I want to be prepared for this trip. And with this trip, I had it in New Mexico, and mm. it was awesome. Are any of your guys going to have the mobile Starlink? Um, I think people? one guy will have the Starlink. Then I got a Zolio, and I think two other guys have Garmin uh, in reaches. So we definitely have satellite communication for like minimal texting and stuff. But then I do think one guy, one guy has Starlink at his house because he's so remote in Michigan that he has no service or anything. So sure. I think he said that he may bring his just to like set it up if we need. Uh, it. So, so what, what I actually did is because we're going to be so remote there, I wanted to make sure we had communications. And yeah. I mean, I have a Garmin and I have a satellite phone. Yeah. Believe it or not, the service actually works with each other. I didn't know that until after I bought it. Oh. I went to pay for the service for the satellite phone after my Jeep started on fire in, in Utah. God, yeah. that was scary. All I had was my Garmin, and so after yeah. that Jeep fire in the middle of Lake Powell, in the middle of nowhere, I was like, "Yeah, that's gonna happen again." And so we ended up uh, getting that, and I it was just like, it wasn't enough. And so we ended up doing the Starlink 
And I got them. I have, and because our cabin up north is so remote, we had Starlink for up there. And I was like, you know what? I want to have the mobile Starlink. So not only um, do we have the satellite communications and stuff like that, but we also have the mobile Starlink that's mounted right hard mounted to the top of my rack on my Gladiator. And I tell you what, you know, it's game, it's truly game changing. And the reason I say game changing is because when you're off road, you know, and you're trying, you know, you download your maps, right? Well, yeah, sure. when you download, when you download your maps, they always, the satellite views always lag always. And you're like, Oh, come on now let's go. And so now I was, when we were in New Mexico, that was a New Mexico trip this spring. We did a two week trip down there. That was our pre-trip for Alaska. I was like, whatever happens down here, it's direct reflect what's going to happen up there. And so we used that Starlink and it was absolutely phenomenally game changing because we're on a trail, either, either the trail was overgrown and, and you couldn't get to it out there or that area was closed because you download the newest maps. Well, having that Starlink on while I was driving, I was not only pulling up Gaia GPS, I was pulling up new new onyx off road i was pulling up i overlander i had yeah. three to four screens opened on my ipad all searching at the same exact time where if i would have only downloaded a few maps i had nothing so yeah. from that yeah. aspect it was one of the most game-changing things for overlanding and, and off-roading that we could have ever imagined so that's yeah. why i was curious what you did but that's one of the you know things that the upfront cost was definitely expensive. I can't deny that, you know, yeah. but I think the reward out of it is definitely game changing. Well, especially um, if you had like, like you said, a remote home or something like that. I mean, like if you have a reason besides just the overlanding to have one, then it, I think it makes perfect sense. Why not get the portable one? Right. But yeah, cause you got to get something anyways, but why not be able to use it on the go? So correct. And so yeah, then, that's, sweet. that's why it works out for us. Just amazing. And, I never thought it would be that cool. At first, I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't know if I want to mount this thing and take it with us. But after I did, my, my buddy that's meeting us in Alaska, um, I've known him since I was three. I mean, all my life. I've known him. And so oh, I'm so lucky that we get to travel with him and he can do it with us. But yeah. he was trying to get so close to me as we're driving. <laughs> I can tell right I could tell when he was trying to download his maps or anything like that because he'd be tailgating me. And I'm just like, yep. come on, man. Really? But um, he ended up buying it just for his rig himself because he's like, I can't believe how amazing that was. He goes, man, the minute yeah. you stopped, you had internet. And he goes, we could, we, we were sitting on the side of the truck or on the tailgate of the truck with, with two iPads going back and forth. Like, all right, you know, your first campsite's never you know, like the perfect campsite. So you're like, I want right. to find a better one. It's a little bit more epic view. Well, you know, you so you go on your iPad and try finding it. And then all of a sudden, you know, yep, here, let's go try these two. And so we would actually split off. He goes and checks one. I go check the other. And then, you know, we'll reconvene on the radios and figure out which <laughs> one we're going to take. So, but yeah, it was, uh, it's definitely something cool. So it's good that somebody has it with you guys because you guys will, with night planning, you know, everybody, I don't know what a lot of people do it on the fly or not, but yeah. for us, um, 
at night when we're sitting around the fire, that's when I'll pull out the iPad and start routing out the next, you know, we have the a route plan, but we'll actually start looking more in depth into it the next yeah. day. Yeah, that's our main guy is quite the planner. So like, I think he has like, he's already broken down day by day by day, but based on like the maps and stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, but still things could change, right? Or he's found some things where he's looking at, you know, Google Maps and he's like, oh, look at this big like lake with this road that goes up there. Like, I'm going to yeah. drop a pin there. And but to your point, right, like if we get out there and then we it's not downloaded or it's, you know, there's problems with it or something or we have to make adjustments and if we don't have something, then it it gets crazy. So, well, and the other thing that we found out with Al West, we're well, actually, no, sorry, we were just in, what well, was Al West? But we are just in New Mexico. We ran into private land in the middle of uh, public land. All of a sudden, you, we pull up to a sign, and I'm like, I'm like, this said it was all public land, and then it says private property, no trespassing, blah, blah, blah. So then immediately, I'd pull up my Onyx off road with land property you know, mapping on it where I could see exactly yeah. who owns it. And like, holy crap, sure enough, like wow. two to five acres to get to this awesome spot that we wanted to get to. It was like the perfect camp spot off the edge of a ledge down in wow. Southern New Mexico. And this dude owned the road to get to it. The only way to get to it was to go like 40 miles around and back. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, through that. So, and we don't want to trespass in somebody's land. So that was the other really cool thing with having that that we could actually use Starlink for that as well. So, yeah. um, I, like I said, I, it's one of the probably better things that we've done. And like most, most people will probably bash me for and be like, you don't need cell service and you don't need service, but I'm telling you, yeah. I don't need to talk to anybody on the phone. It's more about uh, just being able to have the options and yeah. you know, knowing where you're at and, so yep. Well, I'll tell you. So one of my favorite trips that I took was to West Virginia. This was like four years ago, probably. It was still when I had the Xterra. It was basically I had a two and a half inch lift in 33s and that was about it. Mm -hmm. No recovery, no nothing, just an Xterra. And okay. uh, I went out there with three other dudes. Uh, one dude with a big power wagon towing a trailer. Uh, another guy with a big old Tundra that was totally built out on like 37s or something and a lift and all kinds of stuff. And then another guy in a, in a pretty modified FJ. So like we were like, and then there's just me and my little Xterra. But the thing that was crazy about it and that we take for granted, I think, is like that you're going to have cell phone reception at some point. Like that's one of the things that, that's hit my mind, even with like Wyoming is like we're going through a little town or two every day. Now, like an 80 person town or a 200 person town or something like that. They're small. But I'm like, surely they'll have like a Starbucks or something, right? You know, like surely they'll have some Wi-Fi or they have some because they live there. Right. So they have to have something. But when yeah. we were in West Virginia, from the time that we hit the state line, I was Verizon. Everybody else was AT&T, which normally here in the Midwest, Verizon's amazing. Yeah. We hit West Virginia. And for the four days that we were out there, I had absolutely no reception. My wife thought I was dead. Like I couldn't communicate. I had to hit a McDonald's one day. We happened to drive through a little town. There was a McDonald's. I was like, guys, I haven't talked to my wife in two days. Like, that's fine. I'm not. I'm sure she's fine. But like, I just need to text her or something and tell her like, hey, I have no reception because it, it happened so fast. I didn't even get a chance to tell her sure, that I had yeah. no reception. So she's just like, why isn't this dude calling me? And it actually became like a really sketchy thing where like my wife was like about to drive out to West Virginia. She thought I was dead. Wow. Like she had no idea what was going on. And I mean, it was, I was telling the guys too, I'm like on the radio and I'm like, you guys have to like not lose me. Cause if you lose me, like I have no reception, I have nothing. And I yeah. wasn't the leader. So I didn't even have back then five years ago, I didn't even have maps. I didn't download anything. I used Google maps to get out there and meet up with these guys. Right. 
And so as soon as I got out there and I'm like, and I turned off my little pin, I couldn't even connect to like drop to like start a new route. I couldn't even use Google maps. So even if I got lost, I couldn't even like throw a restaurant in there. Cause it's just going to go, Oh, you don't have internet. I, I can't find the restaurants. Right. Yeah. So after that experience, I'm like kind of in your camp where I'm like, yeah, I don't want to add a bunch of complexity. I don't want to spend a bunch of money, but like, if something, if five years from now I like retire from my job or something and I become a full-time overlander, that would probably be a good investment, I think, for sure. Well, so. and so I can tell you right now, the other thing that makes it totally different too is I, I seriously, I had a Jeep fire. So mm-hmm. with having yep. a fire out remote, I mean, I was 25 miles from the nearest, not even town, nearest large highway. And it was so scary because... I, if, it, if I didn't have, if the guy that wasn't behind me, we were traveling, I was the leader. It was, we had five Jeeps that time that we were traveling out in Lake Powell and we split up. We were trying, like, like I said, we were trying to find the Epic Camp spot. <laughs> well, we split up three and two. Him and I went down into Lake Powell. There was a spot on the water that showed on the water. And when we went down there, we got there, and on my Gaia GPS, it showed water. Well, Lake Powell has dried up so much over the last five years that the water was like a half a mile away. So oh, Gaia wasn't even close to right. So I was trying to, like, get to the water and, like, get through there while I drove through a bunch of brush. And here in the Midwest, we don't really get, you know, dry brush, and it's going to start your Jeep on fire. So yeah. I, ended up, I ended up driving through some brush to get to the water. I never made it to the water. And as I was going, he's, he's falling behind me. And then he yells, Scott, Scott, stop, stop. You're on fire. And I mean, holy cow. Like, I mean, I went from, you know, nothing, you know, having just driving to freaking out and trying to get this fire out. And the minute I got out and grabbed my fire extinguisher, which fire, not all fire, I learned a lesson. All fire extinguishers shouldn't be treated equal because my fire extinguisher made the fire worse. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so it actually made it spread like four, four times worse than what it was just from <laughs> me bringing it. So I had an automotive fire extinguisher, not a, you know, uh, I guess uh, they called it a household fire extinguisher to put yeah. off brush fires in construction. So it was more for like electrical or something. Yes, electrical, yeah. uh, fluids, you know, if you have gas and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was, I bought it for my Jeep. I mean, who would have thought I was going to have a brush fire? Right. But, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And so this, this, the brush got up in the skid plates, got to the catalytic converter, started the whole deep on fire. Wow. And with we, me being so remote, I, we got the fire out and fixed the Jeep, loved the Jeep and saved it. But I, it's just one of the scariest moments we had with not having no cell reception. All I mean is my, no cell reception. All I had is my arm split off from me and she was with the other two people. All I texted her was on the all I texted her was on the garment is started on fire, and that was it. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't know what else to text either. Yeah, <clears throat> just wanted to cut to the point and make sure that they knew it. And so, you know, what was it? Eight hours later, I think we finally he towed me out of a ravine to get wow. to the main road. Then we called a tow truck, but with not having that satellite, so now she carries the garment in reach. And I carry the satellite phone, <clears throat> and then oh. on top of that, now we have the Starlink too. Just I'm, I, once that stuff happens to you, it's like so it's surreal. Like yeah, like everybody now, all everybody that travels with us, I'm like, you guys have to have fire extinguishers. 
And yeah. I just my gladiator, I think I have six fire extinguishers in that one gladiator. Because if that one goes out, I'm in trouble. And you can't have too many, right? Like <clears throat> I have them really? um, under the front seat, I have them under the back seat, I have them on the roll cage, and then I have three in the back for cooking, one right next to my red arc red vision system, because you just never know when the electrical could go. So yeah. I mean I have them strategically placed throughout the vehicle to make sure of it, but you know, if nobody's got a fire extinguisher, I highly recommend it because you just never know. I never thought it happened to me ever. Yeah. Did, yeah. So, well, that's, and, I mean, it's funny that you say that because uh, when I was in West Virginia, we, so it, it's the, the other interesting thing before I even dive into that is that you said, you know, when you go someplace different, right? Like that's, it's funny. All the keyboard warriors, I'm sure are like, you don't need Starlink. You don't need nothing. You just need your, a backpack and, and a four by four, get out, you know, but, but like, that's the thing. Right. And this isn't to make us sound like noobs or anything, but like, I've been, I mean, I've been camping for probably 30, 35 years. I mean, since I was a kid, we would walk out, we lived in Southern Indiana and like there were quarries and all kinds of just just wild woods behind my house. And we'd go out there every weekend, go camping and stuff. It's like, I'm not a newbie to camping, but I'm, I've spent 34 and a half of the 35 years that I've been camping in the Midwest, specifically, mostly in Indiana, a little bit of Michigan, a little bit of Wisconsin. Right. But like, that's pretty much it. But then like, to your point, when you go out West, like it's, there are fire bands, which I've never experienced. I've never been in a place that had a fire band. I've never had to deal with brush getting up and rubbing against a catalytic converter or anything like that. When we were in West Virginia, what happened to us was it's super hilly, which we yeah, don't have that. Right. I don't have hills in Indiana. No. And so I wasn't really thinking about it, but we kept going up these hills, down these hills, up these hills, you know, down these switchbacks and all this stuff. And my, my exterior was an automatic, so I wasn't like engine braking or anything like I would with a manual. So I'm just driving along. All of a sudden, one of the guys behind me gets on the radio and he goes, hey, there's smoke pouring out of your passenger rear wheel. And we stop and we get out and my rotor is glowing orange. And like the the brake dust is just burning off it and there's white smoke pouring out. And I didn't have a, I had like, I had a household fire extinguisher that was like 10 years old. I don't even know how old it was, probably expired. I didn't even know how to use it. We're like, well, how do you pull the pin out? We're like, we're all yelling at each other. We don't even know how to use it. I ended up just grabbing my like jug of water and pouring it on the brakes bunch of steam yeah. came out and then that cooled it down and then it was fine and then i started you know using my auto shifter to go four three two and, and kind of engine brake it a little bit and then i was fine the rest of the trip it's just i didn't i'm you don't even know right like i've never been there before i've never dealt with that kind of mountainous terrain it just didn't even occur to me that i would put that much heat into the brakes to where i could light the brake dust on fire so no i don't know you're in that yeah, unless you're in that area all the time and realize it and see somebody else go through it, you just don't know. And yeah. so we were in uh, Colorado. It would have been probably just north of Denver. We did a you know camping trip out that way with the trucks and stuff with the jeeps. And my buddy was with me, and he you know we have on our jeeps we actually did axle swaps, so we have one ton brakes on them. Nice. I've never had to worry about heating up my brakes because they're so big. But my buddy had a forerunner that was with us on 33s. And with him being on 33-inch tires, he overheated his brakes. We're coming down a huge just decline down the side of the mountain. And by the time we got off, same situation as you. We've never been across that stuff. He's like, all of a sudden, I'm like, man, do you guys smell that? I'm like, it is bad. And we walked back to his truck. We walked back to his forerunner, and the brakes are just, like, smoking. I'm like, okay. I'm like, you rolled the brakes too hard. You should have manually shifted down those hills <laughs> because holy cow, man. I'm like, 
yeah, I, I couldn't believe that they didn't start on fire. I, I told them, like, it's pretty close. They're red. And so, yeah. But yeah. go to, so, to the show. So for those of you listening that are newer to this thing, we highly encourage that you go and explore places, right? But do your research. Be prepared. Be over-prepared. Especially yeah. with, like, safety stuff, recovery stuff, that kind of thing. Like, you just never know, you know? I mean, again, coming from the Midwest to out West, all that rocky stuff. And I mean, there's so much opportunity for body damage and trail damage and have tools with you. Be prepared, fire extinguishers, comms. Yes. Think about all that stuff. Start slow and easy. You don't have to. That's the other thing is you listen to this stuff or see this stuff. We watch all these. I watch, you know, Revere Overland all the time and he's doing all this epic stuff out West. And I'm like, I want to go do that. But then I'm like, hold on a second, Jason. You have a brand new stock truck with a two inch lift on it and the stock tires. Maybe we hold off for a couple of years and, and build this thing up for that kind of thing, but get excited about it. Go do the things, but start slow and easy and maybe go five hours yeah. away or 10 hours away before you drive halfway across the country and burn your truck to the ground in a brush fire. So, yeah, that's one of the things that, I mean, I just, it's, I've ne we never experienced that here. It's not that dry. Yeah. Ever, you know, and we don't have, you know, fire bands where you can't do that stuff. I mean, they might have, up, you know, up, out of our, up north a little bit every once in a while, they'll have it where, you know, they'll have a campfire or something like that. But it's so yeah. seldom. I mean, once every few years out there, they have fire bands all summer. And so yeah. it's totally different, you know, and then we take our propane fire pit, so we have it, but a, a cheap fire, I mean, from brush, I mean, come here now. Right. So for anybody listening, you know, be prepared for stuff like that. You know, and I was watching my, my temperatures, because I thought my truck was going to overheat before yeah. having a fire. I thought it was just going to overheat, but I thought it was just going to overheat, but no, that's what I ended up trip that I'll never forget. I definitely don't need to relive that any anytime soon. So. But just no, be prepared. prepared. Yeah, well, I'm definitely prepared. I, <laughs> if anybody's with me, luckily, I have a five-pound fire extinguisher, a two-and-a-half-pound fire extinguisher, a bunch of elements. Um, yeah. Element fire extinguishers are super nice. They don't project really, you know, anything, but they work really good. So, we, yeah. you know, I'm using they work great. I got some fire extinguishers that are, they're like, well, here, I got one. Right here. I got these little guys, but they're for everything, right? So they're like electrical, gasoline fire, brush fire, wood fire, whatever they do. It's like all the different things. They're what like 230 bucks. But I mean, compared to the zero that I had or the 10, 15 year old house one that I had. This one is like you pull the pin out and you point it and you pull the straight. What brand is that? Uh, it's called Weegist. Ugist. Ugist. Okay. I did a yeah. video on it. I'll put a tag up here for those of you watching on YouTube. Yeah, I didn't see that one, so I'll check that one no. out. It's always nice to have options, especially them elements are like 80 bucks for one. I know, I know. Not it's so most, cool that I'm like. But. They, but they last anywhere from 50 seconds to 100 seconds. So really? take a standard fire extinguisher that only lasts like between 8 to 10 seconds, your standard fire Could extinguisher. One, I don't know. <laughs> and so the fire, the, the, that's what a normal fire extinguisher will do. Yeah. Extend that out 50 to a minute. And so you can actually get a fire out because of the longevity of, you know, the yeah. chemicals coming out of it. So that's, that's the only thing I wish. If I would have had one of those, it would have saved me. I would have lit it up. And just held it up there, and it would have just put the fire out, but I didn't. So, yeah. yeah so we're, I mean, they're not cheap, but we we use them, and I have them in each vehicle now because you just never know. So it's a yeah. good thing yep. to have. Better safe than sorry. Absolutely, especially for all these remote trips that you're gonna you're gonna potentially be doing, and what we're gonna do, and nobody's there to help you. So yeah, yeah, you are really on your own.
Well, that's uh, another thing to think about. I watched a guy's video from that did the Wyoming BDR that we're going to run, and he ripped a valve stem out. And that's something I think nobody thinks about, right? Like nobody ever thinks about the potential of that. But I mean, if you're doing anything rocky and stuff, I ripped one out in Hoosier National Forest being stupid, trying to get back to this campsite to shoot a video. And it was really rutted. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And I did. I went down, no problem. Did my little video, drove back out, got like 10 miles down the highway. And all of a sudden I felt the truck go. I felt it go. And I just lost all pressure. I think the valve stem just like broke off. It was like damaged, but not broken. And then as I'm driving down the highway, I started to feel the truck leaning and I'm like, "Uh oh, and I started to slow down as I did the whole tire blew out and I had to limp it and like change my tire with, you know, 33s on a, with a freaking farm jack on the side of the road, trucks driving, but it was terrifying. Um, But Colby valve stems, man, you've heard of those, haven't you? Not Colby. I have not. Colby valve stems. I swear by them. They're amazing. They're like, two for 40 bucks or 40 bucks a piece. There's something they're, they're really reasonable, but it, basically what you do is, so I grabbed the old valve stem. It was hanging by a thread. It basically broke it all the way off. It was still attached by a little piece of rubber. And I just okay. pulled it out. Or they say too, if it's like broken all the way off, you can just push the inside part in, just like push it in with a, like a screwdriver or whatever you got your key, you know, just push in the sure. old valve stem. And then basically what they are is they're like aluminum bodied replacement valve stems that you can just install without removing the tire. So you basically stick it through the hole and then you turn it and then it widens it out behind the wheel. And it's like, I use that to replace that valve stem. So I I swapped the tire for my spare on the side of the road. And then I got home and I was like, do I want to take this and pay, you know, what are 50 bucks or whatever to the tire place to put another crappy valve stem on it. And then I had heard about these Colby valve stems. So I was like, well, I'm just going to get in. I'm going to try it and see how it works. I rode that thing for like two more years. (laughs) Like, I I mean, it was fine. It's still fine to this day, as far as I know. But, uh, yeah, it's just a replacement valve stem. So I got one left of my two pack, so I carry that one with me everywhere just in case. So it gives Did me it's like having an extra spare, basically. But you know, it's the size of your your pointer finger. So I'll have yeah. to probably pick those up because I never yeah. I never even knew about that. We we run Apex uh, quick deflate valve stems and all of oh, ours. Nice. Um, you know, they're a little more costly, I guess. But at the same time, for deflating on the fly, it's so fast. But that is huge, like. To have a valve stem like that, like what you're talking, that would be amazing. You just yep. never know when you break one off, like you said. Get you caught up. Caught up. I've already had it where they caught on well, like a, a log. Like you're not even yeah. catching it on a rock, but you're scooting along a, a log up in the Northwoods here in Wisconsin. Yeah. All of a sudden, it just catches that back tire, and it wedges inside, and you rip that thing right off. So, yeah, I didn't even know about that, so I'm glad you said that. I guess yeah, maybe that'll be my travel path. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Because that'll be in the travel pack in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. They're, I mean, they're nice to have. And anybody can use them too, right? Like, I, I think they actually came up with the idea first for, like, tractors or, like, UTVs and stuff. So they make them for everything. Sure. But then they were like, oh, we should make these for, like, passenger cars too, right? Because <laughs> it's genius. But now I'm just sitting there thinking about that being on the side of the road, using that farm jack, watching it scoot on the concrete and freaking out, you know, not having jack stands because you use that. You lock it in and you're like, well, hope no big truck comes by and blows it off. And then I'm changing the tire where I could have just left it sitting there on the flat tire, put the valve stem in, twisted it. You don't even need tools. You can do it with your hand and then put my air compressor on it and aired it back up and driven home. You know, just saved me would have saved me an hour of time and effort and taking stuff apart. And yeah, 
Oh yeah, so, on the way home from New Mexico, we had to switch my beadlocks. I had a, my beadlock wheels. I, for some reason, I don't know if they were over torqued or what, but I was blowing bolts. There's 25 bolts in it, and I replaced geez. 19 of the 25 on the way home from New Mexico. <laughs> so I can relate to changing the tire. Finally, I was like, all right, we're done. I'm just gonna change the spare yeah. tire to get this done. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna keep doing this the whole way home, but 19 later, I mean, holy cow! Luckily, yeah. I had extra bolts. We carry extra ones, but yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely, but yeah. Cool. Well, cool. I'm trying to think. Have we touched enough on trips and preparedness and that kind of thing? Probably. Think. I would say so overall. Um, I mean, the other golden rule that I would say to anybody is, uh, at, if at all possible, don't travel alone. Um, that's one of the things that we used to. I can tell you that as well. Yeah, so, so you I'm say stuck. to the guy that goes solo 95% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. Well, know, but, but it's, you know, in, you know, I guess it depends on how remote you get to. You know, if you're, yeah. I don't know how deep the Hoosier National Forest is by you. But, you know, I don't know. If you, have salary, you might have cell reception there so you can get help. A lot of the time, yeah. Yeah, so, like, but when you're out west, one of the things that we realized being that remote, um, that's actually why my wife got her own Jeep. So that's why Ashley and I travel, yeah. you know, ride with each other now. We travel separate. And it's merely just because we were seriously traveling alone. When we, when we started going on these trips, we were taking our motor home with one Jeep parking the motorhome at a camp campground. That was our base camp. And then we go for like a week around it, then come back to the motorhome and then go around again. But we were just so worried with seeing other people's videos and stuff that happens. Um, right. The Jeep breaking down or, you know, not snapping our axle, valve stem, you know, something, anything like that. Right. that we, now, we now just travel together and, and it seems the to built be- in recovery. Yes, because I've already been in a few spots when we were out there. I think we were in Colorado and I was going down a ravine. And when I was going down it, I slid sideways and I almost actually rolled. And luckily cool. she was behind me. So instantly, you know, she hops out and she knows how to use all of her own recovery gear, which yeah. thank God she learns fast. And so she hooked up the winch to the back corner of my bumper and pulled me back out so that I could get out. And so, you know, that's the nice thing about having that extra vehicle. If I would have been alone, I mean, I could snatch block off a tree backwards twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. But having her with us in these areas, yeah, it's so much better. So that's actually why we we started traveling alone. Otherwise, we did the same thing you did. Yeah. um, Yeah. That's a great that's a great tip for sure. So, yeah, if you're, you know, listening to this and you want to do these like Wyoming, I would never do the Wyoming BDR by myself, right? Like that's, it's a different thing and I don't know what to expect and I've never been there. And to your point, like, I don't know what's going to happen with the truck. If I'm going to break something or get stuck or face some situation, because especially because it's newer to me, like I put myself in a bad position or something like that. So, and there's also something to be said for like expertise and breakdown of jobs, right? So like with Mm -hmm. our foursome that we've got going to Wyoming, we've got an EMT, guy so he's an emt by trade he's a firefighter and an emt um and he also has a galley as a he's towing a a trailer with a full galley for cooking so he's kind of like our chef slash emt then we got a guy who's military and he's like security right so the bears and whatever if there happens to be anything there 
Yep. I'm sure he's going to be armed, right? So he will he will have our Absolutely. back from that standpoint. And then we've got the main guy who's like the leader and he's great with maps and has done all the research and knows the weather and all that sort of stuff. And then there's me who's just like the tag along. I'm just the guy that comes and I'm going to shoot some video, you know? But I'm fortunate well, enough to get the so You're the Do videographer. It. You're the videographer. Yeah, so it doesn't sound as important or as as uh, big of a deal compared to those other guys, but uh, yeah. it is in order to record your travels. Somebody's got to do it. That's kind I mean, of where I die, at least get it on video, you know, <laughs> at least get the good stuff on video, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of how it is. Even for us with our group that we're going, one of the guys is an EMT, and he's actually coming with us up there, and then the other gal. Um, it's our friend's wife. She's actually a nurse. Um, so she's had a lot of training that way. And then I'm usually the major prepper. I prep for everything that could possibly go bad because, let's face it, a lot has already happened to me in the short amount of time that I've been doing overlanding. Um, so, and then, uh, you know, my other buddy, he's a huge, you know, he's a great navigator and, and being able to tell us, you know, where we need to go, what we need to do. So, he helps me along the way and I help him. So it works out really nice that way too. It's nice to be prepared and I'm definitely more of the security aspect of it. I think I have two cases full of weapons that are going to Alaska because the bears up there are awfully big. And that is my only worry actually in Alaska, like in the States, I never worry about bears whatsoever. Um, yeah. But up there, I mean, they're 11 feet tall. So, yeah, I, I'm bringing some firepower just because yeah. you never know. The kids is what worries me. And so yeah. most of us are in rooftop tents, but we're camping in our off-road trailer. And our off-road yeah. trailer is not that far off the ground. And the yeah. one worry that I have is that our off-road trailer, the pantry and the galley is right next to where I sleep. Attached to it? Yeah. Attached to it. And then... Yeah. My my portion where I sleep is canvas. The food is in mm. a hard hard shell, but then I'm in the canvas. Right. So we don't want to get really the food. They they can just like tear with one claw right through the <laughs> side, and hello, here we are. So, needless to say, Jeez. at that point, if anybody sees us up there, don't scare me because I'm going to be carrying firepower under my pillow. Uh, you just never know. Everything looks like a bear in Alaska. Yeah. So you know we're. <laughs> that aspect too but yeah it's nice to have the people with you that can help you with your trips and stuff like that so yep you guys will be good all night that'll be awesome you're gonna have a blast that's what like three weeks for both our trips (laughs) oh yeah i can't wait i'm sure you'll be posting some pictures and i know i will be too so we'll be able to show everybody as we're going to and how nice the landscapes are especially when you get outside the west (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure. Well, and, uh, and that's a good point. So if you're listening on the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube and stuff, down in the description below, I will put a link to all of the Adventure Further stuff. So you want to go check him out? Go check him out. He's got a ton of cool stuff. He's got a rad Jeep. So if you're into Jeeps, like he's your guy. He's definitely a Jeep guy. Um, yeah. So definitely check that stuff out. So yeah, so thanks again to Scott from Adventure Further for being with me. Really appreciate it. It was great talking with you, buddy, as always. So thanks. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's awesome. Yeah, of course. Yep. And uh, so as I mentioned in the description below will be links to all of Scott's stuff. 
Uh, like normal, all my social channels will be down there too. So if you want to join the conversation wherever, come and join. I'd love to talk with you. Um, also, there will be links to the Patreon page down there. We've got a Discord. We've got a once a month call that we do that's really fun. And then the Newbie Overlanders group is also linked down there. So if you are newer and you're listening to this because you're newer and you want kind of a community that's different from the big groups where you just get bullied and beat up, check out uh, Newbie Overlanders. It's awesome group. So, uh, But again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you guys next week.